Was it six o'clock? Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing. We pray that you just help us to look into your word as we seek your wisdom and your 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 face as we we just study and and be illuminated by how beautiful your scriptures really are. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, so we're continuing to Genesis chapter two today. Uh, last week we talked about kind of how it fits in or the different ways it kind of fits in with Genesis chapter 1, the different ways people viewed it as fitting in with Genesis chapter 1. But we said we're not going to focus too much on, on, on all that. We're going to look at what the scriptures are saying, what the, the Bible is saying, how we want it to uh, we want to read it for itself in context of what the people of the past were thinking. And so we're going to do our best to do that. So as we, um, we look into, we move forward in verse 4. Where, see, if you look at that piece of paper, remember I handed these, these out last week. If you did not get one, they're, they're back there on the back table. Um, Raise your hand, someone will pass them out. Um, there's two of them there. We're going to be going back and forth to these papers quite a bit, so make sure you bring them back and forth. I don't want to print you new ones every time. Um, Genesis 1, uh, 2 and 3, that what we're calling the Eden narrative, the Eden story, I guess you could say it, the Eden part of Genesis. Um, is a, 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 a narrative that is quite beautiful in its design. Seven parts it's divided into, which you're like, wow, that, I mean, that should already tell you how well-crafted it is. Seven is that important, complete number found in the book of Genesis. Um. We're, so we're, we're already tying it into Genesis chapter 1 just by the number, the, the, the design pattern of the story. So what we're doing today as we, begin, as we move forward, we're going to um, kind of zoom in on here. We're going to look at that second sheet, this one right here. That one. If it'll go in my, it's not changing, come on. There it goes. That one. Okay. We're going to zoom in on that first section, four, uh, Genesis chapter 2, 4 through 17. This is the part of the section where, uh, well, humanity is created and placed or planted in the garden. Um, what I thought we would do as we began this to look at the design pattern, how the authors decided to lay it out for us, is I thought we'd start by just reading through it. Um, and you can notice on the handouts or on the app, uh, this particular one was designed by the Bible Project. Um, I love the way they put it in easy-to-read formats. 
Um, but what they've done is they've highlighted basically repeated words and mapped out the patterns in color-coded boxes just to make it easy for your mind to see kind of the patterns. But I thought we'd just read and just kind of let the, and see, as we started, just to see how it begins to flow together uh, as we look at the literary pattern. Uh, one of my purpose of doing it this way is that you guys can start doing it on your own, too. <laughs> um, not just saying, well, what are you tell me what the pattern is. Let's read it. Let's start looking at some of the pattern yourselves. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Where's my water? All right. These are the generations of the skies and the land. Now, last week we talked quite a bit about generations. Sounds kind of weird. A lot of your translations might say the count of because that makes more sense in English. Um, the word in Hebrew was to like give birth of. Um, so this is the account, the, the generations. In the days of Yahweh, uh, that is the Lord, if your Bible would probably say Lord all caps. So if you're in your reading your Bibles and you see the Lord's all caps, that's the word Yahweh. That's uh, the great I am statement that given to Moses in uh, that scene where he got Moses asked, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am that I am, Yahweh. Uh, and um, there's a whole bunch we could go into that, but... This is that statement there, uh, also called the Tetragrammaton, four letters, uh, because uh, it became so hol uh, holy, people didn't even pronounce it. They wouldn't even write it. They'd put like one letter on one side of a vase and, and the rest of it on another side so that it wouldn't be written because they, they were so <sighs> careful to say we don't want it to take the name's Lord, the Lord's name in vain, so much that they wouldn't even they wouldn't spell it. You would re be reading through this in the Hebrew, and you say, "When now is the day when you might say Adonai or Hashem, which means the name." So you would say, uh, so you wouldn't actually pronounce it because they were, didn't want to take the names, the Lord of the names, in vain so much they just they just stopped pronouncing it or putting on their stuff. Um, um, so, uh, if you're in mixed company with a good Jewish person, be respectful. I'll, I'm going to use the name Yahweh um, because I don't think, I think they took it too far personally, but I'm, that doesn't mean I don't understand what they're saying and going through, and I, I want to be respectful, but um, yeah, so these are the generations of the land of the day Yahweh made the lands and the skies. Now, uh, it's kind of like a... a, a parentheses here uh, hebrew authors didn't actually have parentheses there's no punctuation in hebrew uh well till much later on um but this kind of like set up right um now in the days that there were no shrubs uh, of the field and um in the land and no plants of the field yet sprouted for the lord god had not sent rain upon the land and there was no adam uh human uh, to work the ground but a stream or a flow 
would go from the, from the land and would water the whole face of the ground. Um, so you kind of had like some backup, like this parentheses, the background. Now let's go on with the story. And Yahweh God formed the human from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And human became um, nefesh chaya, a living creature or, or a living being. Um, now we already talked, uh, remember back in Genesis chapter 1, we talked about that part uh, when we talked about the image of God. How in ancient cultures, they would, uh, the, the spirit of their gods would reside within the image. And, and uh, they would even go through a breathing ceremony to, to uh, divine this. And so God, uh, God is uh, in this, he's saying, this is my image. This is my image. I've, 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 I've formed it. Um, and Yahweh planted a garden in Eden towards the east. Um, interesting enough, that could actually be translated uh, in olden times as well. Instead of just in the east, it could be translated in olden times. Um, and I haven't really worked out what that would mean <laughs> uh, for myself, but as I'm reading through the Hebrew, it's like, well, that could actually mean, uh, but we, we, long-standing tradition, it's in the East, um, and I think that's the right translation, but, uh, um, but the Bible's full of things that m- could mean multiple things, and sometimes they mean both at the same time. Um, Hebrew language is like that. We don't like it in our English. Uh, our scientific mindset, we don't like that. Uh, you know, you say what you mean, but we say things we don't really mean all the time, don't we? Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, so um, I haven't really worked out all that. But yeah, it's, it's a, in olden times, and he placed there the human whom he had formed. And Yahweh, uh, God, uh, caused to sprout from the ground every tree that is desirable uh, to sight and good for eating. Um, and the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowing good and bad. Um, a lot of times we want to say evil there, but I don't really think evil is the right word for this. Uh, I would say some translations probably have evil there. Um, I, I think uh, first, yeah, I think I've heard it said in evil several times, but, uh, um, but I think, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with bad, uh, <laughs> not necessarily evil. Uh, they, they have different connotations in our, in our modern language. Um, yeah, uh, well, we'll talk about that serpent when we get there. I don't want to jump too far ahead. <laughs> um, now, a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from there it separated and became four heads. Um, the name of the first was Gusher or uh, Physion. And it goes around the whole land of Havilah. And there's lots of gold in Havilah. Um, according to the, uh, in fact, the gold's really, really good. 
or in the, our Navajo friends would say, really, really good. Uh, really, really good. <laughs> uh, and there also is uh, bedlam and onyx stone, in case you want to know. Uh, and actually, you're going to need those bedlam and oxen stones. Uh, the reason it's listed is because you're actually going to need those stones for later on when you're building, like, the breastplate, the high priest breastplate. You're going to need those stones. Um, so, like, already, like, way up here in the beginning, you're seeing stuff that's, we're not going to actually, like, why do you need to know that information? Well, it doesn't tell you till the book of Leviticus right here, you know? <laughs> um, and so we're getting kind of stuff that, uh, you know, it's like, wow, well, you know, that's why it's listed. Uh, now, the name of the second river is uh, Gusher. Um, and it goes around the whole land of Cush down in Egypt. And the name of the third river is uh, Hidekel, or the Tigris River. And it goes east of uh, Assyria. And the fourth is the Euphrates. And that's probably the most famous of the ones, the Euphrates. That's the one that's in all the news. And that's. Um, and um, there's a, uh, a city built in, on the Euphrates. Um, it's, it's a famous city that's all in the Bible quite a bit. Can anyone tell me what it is? Starts with a B. Babylon! Babylon. Um, yeah. Um, where was I? Um, yeah. So yeah. So this is and God, uh, Yahweh, God took human and rested him in the garden of Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And Yahweh, God, commanded the human, saying, From every tree of the garden you may surely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it you will die, die. Um, or surely die. Um, they, in the Hebrew, they use an emphasis, so they repeat the word, die, die. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, so so in this uh, in this um, in this this short story, the, this section of the story, you have um, no garden, no human uh, to the making of the 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 human and planting of the garden. Um, the garden is the source of the river that goes out and waters all the empires of the land. Um, then you go back to the garden. Um, yeah, and you talk about these trees and the human's relationship to these trees. So you have kind of like this waters and humans and waters and humans. So you start with, there's a problem. Remember Genesis chapter 1? We had the waters. The waters represented a chaotic time. Can you being God separated the waters? So you have like this, oh no, there's a problem. Right? It starts out, in the day of Yahweh made this kind of, now there was a field of land, but there was, there, nothing had sprouted because no human was there. So, there, uh-oh, there's a problem. Well, God's going to solve the problem. 
He's gonna 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 take care of this. Um, so he starts with in Genesis. Uh, he starts with this in Genesis chapter one and two. Um, they both begin with a non-ordered, non-life beginning. You know, just chapter one, there was uh, there was this place, and it was chaotic, and then God separated the waters, and He creates a place where mankind can thrive, and He He, he doesn't destroy the chaos, chaotic waters. I think that's very important. Darkness, chaos, the waters, all these things that are in the scriptures, God never destroys them. He tames them. He uses them. He um, even the water, like water is chaotic in the mindset of the Hebrew people and it's seen as chaos, but at the same time when God's involved with it and he brings forth every well story in the scripture is about God's blessing and taking what is chaotic and bringing it forth to bring a blessing. Absolutely. So he's taking what was chaotic and bringing it forth. So every time you read well stories, you're reading this blessing that God has taken what, what, what was chaotic. And remember in Genesis chapter 1, there was this, you know, the, this deep abyss, right? That chaotic abyss. And then God comes and hovers over it. And all of a sudden, it's no longer this, it's a, a lesser, it's a, a life-giving water. And um, the stream and so this story, just like Genesis, begins with a, uh, um, a lifelessness in the land. And, um, and, and, uh, and these waters, this stream, this, 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 this flow, is going to be the source of life. Um, The, the word streams, of, if you go back to verse, what is that, six? Yeah, six. Verse six, um, you'll see uh, some of your translations, if you're reading it, are going to say different words there, stream or flow or, um, uh, I wrote down a couple of different translations here. Um, NIV says stream, ESV says mist, New American Standard says mist, um, Stream in the new revised stand, uh, new, new revised standard version. Um, so you kind of got this 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 idea that there's the stream or this misting. Um, there's actually a problem with this word is that we don't really understand what it means entirely because it's only used um, here. This is the only time it's used in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> um, this this mist or this flow or this stream. Um, it's most certainly chosen to be used because um, it's um, the first two letters of Adam. Oh, I wish I had my... Um, yeah, it's Ed or Ad. Um, I guess Ed would be more appropriate. But it's the first two letters of, of the, um, the word Adam. So it's, uh, we would say A-D. Um, so, um, um, but it'd be pronounced like Ed. Um, so, um, so it's probably chosen because it has a front rhyme with Adam. Um, so it's the, because it's the first two letters of the word human. So, and Ed comes out of the ground and 
salt, uh, and, and saturates the, the, the dirt, the adama, <laughs> the ground. And now the dirt is saturated. And see, the water mixes with the dirt. And what's water and dirt make? A mud or a clay, depending on what kind of dirt it is, right? And that's what, and that's what God uses to work with to, to um, so now he's got some clay to work with. And, and so, so, so once you got the stream of life coming up out of the deep, then you can have clay and then you can form the water, uh, form the humans. Um, and you can have, get plants. Um, so water is a source of life in this dry land that makes human life and the garden life possible. Um, but it's, it's, it's water that he has, he has taken control of and blessed. Um, so you got, you got clay from dirt and it forms and then you get uh, lifeless dirt or clay and, and, and then you get the gift of divine life which water of life represents. The water flowing out of Eden represents the divine life. And so God breathes and animates the dirt and it becomes human. Um, and then, uh, so, so we get human, let's, uh, where is it, verse 7. And Yahweh, God forms the human of the dust of the ground and he breathed lice his nostrils. Then the human became a living being. And then, I like this in verse 8. Then Yahweh God uh, planted a garden east towards the, uh, um, from of old, and he placed the humans there, which he formed. Um, so it's not like we were created in the garden. A lot of times we, like, uh, in my mind when I was growing up, it was we were created in the, you know, there's the garden there, and we, and we were created in the garden. That's how my mind Went to it. I, th- I think that's how I was taught when I was little. Um, but that's not what this this states. It says we were created elsewhere, and then we were taken and placed in the garden, and uh, and so. Um, Yeah, so so uh, so 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 God plants the garden back to humans, and He puts the humans in the garden, and then back to the garden again. Um, and he, so, human garden, human garden um, is the um, how this works out. It's actually a lot. This works a lot like uh, Hebrew poetry. A lot of time, we don't like to think of this as poetic because you know when we read it, it's not poetry, right? You know, we know poetry, right? You, uh, some Shakespeare, or, you know, uh, Rubiots of Omar Khayyam, you know, make the most of what we may, may spend before we too into dust descend. Uh, I mean, we know poetry. This doesn't feel like poetry. But when you read it in the Hebrew, there's a lot of the same patterns that are found in Hebrew poetry, including the repetitions. Um. And see, we don't, we're very, when we tell stories, we're very linear. 
That's the way we are. We're like, you know, we start at the beginning, and when we come to the end, we stop. <laughs> um, Hebrew poetry, pro- mostly because it was an oral language, they used a lot of repetition. So they might tell the same thing over and over again from different points of view so that you remembered the story. And, um, and so this kind, of, this kind of human garden, human garden, this kind of thing is, is, is very reminiscent of the poetry uh, as, it, um, as it, we use that repetitions. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so back to the waters. Um, so the first waters made human life in the garden possible, and now you've got a garden, and then, then they go and they talk about these rivers, this river of lo- life, right? Um, because it begins as watering the gardens, but it doesn't stop there. How many rivers are in the, in the garden? One. There's only one river in the garden. Now, a river went out from Eden. A river goes out from Eden. It doesn't split until it gets out of Eden. When it gets out of Eden, so in, in Eden, it, it's, it's one river in Eden, and then it flows out, and then it separates and divides, and it goes into four different regions. Now, you go and run a search on, for, you know, maps, you know, Garden Eden typology, rivers, and you'll see all kinds of different pe- where people have placed this, um, including the, the Mormons have put it in Ohio. Um, um, and, um, well, let's go read their history. That's where they, they believe the Eden was. Um, and, um, but you... Uh, but you, you'll see different, like, well, this, that means this is this river, this is, you know, but you'll always see a little question mark beside these, because the reality is we don't know where a lot of these rivers are, <laughs> and nor could we. The Tigris and Euphrates are pretty set in stone, uh, because the civilization has been there so long, but rivers change, I, I know we live such short lifespans, we don't realize this, but rivers change a lot, <laughs> Especially with a major events, civilization, if there's you know a flood narrative really could change typology of where rivers flowed. I mean, there's just no way for us to know where these rivers really were. Yeah, absolutely. Platelets move. We're seeing this has been two thousand years. We're so, we were. I was discussing with someone uh, just this weekend. You know, Africa is splitting into two continents. The platelets are the plates are separating, you know, in a couple thousand years, we're going to have two Africas. <laughs> um, um, you know, a uh, couple thousand years, there's going to be a, a volcano in, in New Mexico that's going to actually rupture. I mean, that's, you know, this, these things happen. So there's no way, you know, this is a couple thousand years old. Uh, yes, it says Jesus, and then, a co- you know, 6,000 years old, let's say, if we follow the exact... If we're going to be extremely literal with the timeline, six thousand years. So, well, 
Well, yeah, things happen like, like that happen. Um, and so we tried our best to, but so there's no way we can actually, but what we do know based on the reading of the scriptures, we do know that the places they're mentioning are the places that the whole rest of the biblical narrative are going to take place in. You've got Egypt, you've got Babylon, you've got the, uh, the, the, the scenario peninsula there, you've got Israel. You've got, so this whole thing is taking place where the rest of the Bible is taking place at. And so that's really why these rivers are there. This is like, it's the, like the rest of the civilizations that we're going to come in contact with throughout the rest of the Bible, they get their life source by the grace of God. And so that puts it in perspective when all these, like we have the Syrians that will like capture uh, the, um, the Babylonians and, and uh, will capture the Israelites and you have other, you know, they have their life is given to them by the grace of God. And this would have been, if, in a culture that they would have been reading it in, other deities would have claimed that authority. And, and the biblical authors are saying, no, Yahweh gives you the source of life. Yahweh is the greatest one. Remember, we were talking about a unique Elohim. He's bigger than your Marduks. He's bigger than your Ra's. Uh, he's bigger than Osiris. He's bigger than uh, Hecate. He's bigger than, than Ishtar. He's, he's unique and he's bigger than all of them. If you think, you think it was, uh, you know, you think the Nile was the blood of uh, uh, Osiris, I'm going to tell you that you, it's, it flows from Eden. It's the blessing of God that gives it to you. Um. And so it's this place where the entire Bible, biblical drama is going to take place. And so we had waters, humans, garden, and then back to waters, uh, in the waters again. So then back to, what's the next one? Humans. Um, I, I want to draw your attention to something. Verse 15. Okay, well, let's, let's read verse 8 again real quick. And Yahweh planted a garden towards the east from old, and he placed the humans whom he formed. Okay, go back to 15. And Yahweh took the humans and rested them in the garden to work and to keep it. There's a double putting them in the garden that has caused a lot of people problems. <laughs> um like I said, to a Western scholar who thinks very literally, uh, literally in, in a line, um, chronologically, it, it doesn't flow right. Um, so they get things like, well, well, this must be two different sources, and they just put them together, and you have two. It's a glitch in the matrix. Um, but because um, it does feel like a glitch in the narrative. You're like, wait, didn't, weren't they already there? And then you put them in there again. Um, and I guess that is one way to view it, but I think it's, um, you know, like I said, it's the biblical poet's repetition is uh, saying, saying something slightly different to give it a multiple perspective on the same reality. Um, so we go from waters to the humans and the garden, back to the waters, back to the, um, back to the humans, and it's... Um, 
it's not it's not identical, but it's 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 distressed the the difference in the meanings. Uh, in verse eight, the garden is planted and the human is put down, um, is put in the garden, kind of more like planted in the garden. That's kind of how it's it's worded there. It's like he's planted in the garden. Um, but in verse fifteen, um, what, what what is the human? He's rested that's that word noed noach it's where we get the word noah from so he's noached and this is going to be a very important idea we already started talking about it when we talked about the sabbath day noah uh the word noah uh, the word noed is it, it means to rest to give rest um So, so in other words, we were already planted, planted the seed of human in the divine, divinely provided refuge. Um, you know, who's going to get put to the test and 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 and. Uh, but this is also a place. Uh, but in this one, it's it's a representative of the role he's being rested. This is a this is a. Uh, this garden in Eden in the east is a sanctuary. It's a place of, of refuge, of rest. Um, it's, when we think rest, a lot of times we think, well, I'm going to go rest. I'm going to go do nothing, right? Uh, that's not what the word noach means. Uh, that means, uh, like Sabbath meant cease. Noah means, uh, noach means rest. It's, a, it's more like, I'm at a place where I'm home, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm without, I'm, 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 I, I may work still, and there may be still trials and, and hardships, but I'm, but I'm at rest. Um, and isn't that the whole goal? That to, in the end, we, we were hoping for a place of noadic rest. We're at well, the place where we're, yeah, that's Hebrew. Yeah. Noach. Um, yeah. Um, this is actually, when we see this, that he's rested in the garden, this is actually a, um, a, uh, a, 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 the first of what, of a great exam, of a great pattern that's throughout the scriptures. Um, there's other places where it comes up um, where we'll see rest happening. Um, I, I, I just chose one more uh, just to kind of give you an idea of it. I could have chosen a whole bunch of them, but I didn't want to over, overwhelm you guys. I, I chose uh, 2 Samuel 7. Um, and 2 Samuel 7, David goes up to Zion and he captures it. And he builds a palace for himself. And then one night he can't sleep. He wants to build God a nice house of cedar, just like he has. Um, so that's what's going on. When the king had settled in his place, um, the Lord had given him Noach. He was rested from his all the wars that he had been facing and all the uh, you know the trouble the, 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 that he had. You know he'd been 
out from his enemy. From, he, was, he had been Noahed from all the, the enemies. Remember, because David, I mean, right when we meet him, right? We've got two places we meet him, right? He's playing in the harp, and he gets spears thrown at him. And we meet him when he's facing a Nephilim named Goliath. <coughs> so we have that. And then that, that serpent Goliath. And then we have him take off because he's trying, you know, Saul's trying to kill him over and over and over again. And then he goes to war after Saul's dead. He goes and he, he fights the Philistines and he fights. And throughout his entire career, he's, he's at battle. And so he, in Samuel 7, God has given him a noetic rest. Um, uh, and he wants to, and um, God has, and, and, and the story kind of says that God has rested on Zion. And now he wants to build a home for God. Um, you know, we could use others. Uh, Noah verb, uh, is the main verb in, used in the book of, of Joshua uh, for giving his people rest in the, in the promised land. Um, um, when Solomon sees, the, sees that there's rest in the land, he builds the temple. Because um, David never does build the temple. Um, so we're going to see this idea of rest over and over and over again in the scriptures. Um, as you read through them, you can start paying attention to the... And, uh, you know, every time you see the word rest in your scriptures, you, can, you, you guys have this wonderful ability that you can ask yourself. Because um, you guys have... I, I know most of you, some of you guys don't, don't realize this, but we have so... This technology has so, is so amazing. Like, you can click on it and get a Bible app, and you can click on the word, and it tells you what Hebrew or Greek word it is. Or you can look it up in a lexicon. Um, we used to have a Strong's Concordance um, that uh, we got rid of because it was taking up way too much shelf on the sp- space on the shelf, and, and we have it on the computer. <laughs> but, uh, but you can look at it, you, just, you look at the word, and it'll tell you whether it's, it's uh, a Sabbath rest, that cessation, or Noahic rest, and you can look that up. Actually, I recommend the most basic, once you get past the, see, like, when you're reading the Bible, like, the first thing you're looking at is you're observing, and you're, um, you're reading, you're observing, um, and that's great, and you want to, the a- applying uh, IOA, uh, you could do IOA, uh, um, interpret, observe, and, and apply, um, and those, uh, but one of the first things you can do when you say, well, I don't want to get a little deeper, you get yourself a concordance or a lexicon or, you know, and you can, any, most of the Bible programs out there, you know, Blue Letter Bible, Logos, uh, or Logos, uh, you know, they all have that ability. You click on a word and it'll tell you what it is in the Hebrew and the Greek, and you can start doing word studies. Uh, where is it found in the scriptures? And, and some of them are found very few times, you know, like that word ed. It's, you see, it's once. <laughs> uh, some of them are found, uh, you know, 200, 300 times in the scriptures. And it takes you a while to go through all those. And you can start seeing how the authors are using it. And let the, and the Bible will define those words for you. Help you say, well, well how is God? Are you like, uh, like the word Eben, uh, uh, Eleazar, um, helper. 
You know, well, what does it mean to be a helper? Well, the Bible actually helps define that word if you just do a word study on that. Um, and so you start doing and doing research on that, and that's um, that's one of the next very next steps you can start taking if you want to start getting deeper on your own. Is get yourself a word do do word studies. That's uh, I love doing word studies myself. Grab a word. Where is it used in the scripture? What's the context behind that? What's the I know I'm a little bit of a geek, but um, um, but yeah. So, but it's it's a great way to go through it, and you you learn something. Um, um, how is it used by that particular author in, like, say, the Book of Genesis, and how is it used by in the Bible as a whole? Um, you know, like this really shows up in places like in the New Testament. Luke and Paul use words slightly different, uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. Um, <coughs> so yeah. Um, no, 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 don't. Ah. Hit a wrong button on my computer. No, that's fine. I just got to scroll down a minute. There you go. Uh, aha. That's what I'm looking for right there. Um, so uh, going back to that, that first uh, section, um, I think this is a fun Hebrew word study. Um, so, human, Adam, that's the word, Adam, uh, Allah, remember we were doing those Hebrew word studies way back when we started Genesis, Adam, Allah, uh, Adam right there, so no human, so Adam, to work the Adama, like the same word, same, same lettering, right, just with an A at the end. See that? Adam. A spring or a flow. Ed. Oh, we'll see the combination there. Would go up from the, and this one's a little different. From min eretz, from the land, to water the Adama. Yahweh formed. Formed, this is the word formed. Um, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, Adama, as dust from the ground. Uh, from, the men means from. Uh, ha, ad, ha, adama, um, from the ground. And Yahweh sprouted, or uh, from the Adama, every tree. So you have this repetition of these sounds. Um, and human beings, Adam, coming from. Adama, um, there's it's a kind of it's a really elaborate wordplay that's working worked out in the first scene. Um, uh, Adam and Adama uh, come from the same root. Remember we talked about roots. Like all Hebrew words have the same uh, have uh, a root that means something. Uh, Adam, they both come from the word Adom, 
which is a word for dark red. Um, we'll see this word when we talk about Esau. Um, it's, it's a soil, dark red. He's, he's, he's dark red. It's, a, it's soil. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, so Adam is, is from Adama, and the Ed would come up from the land. Um, and then same concept, Aretz would go up to um, Um, and he would, Vayetza, um, yeah, we'll talk about that one later. Um, which, I only bring up the Vayetza, the word for form, because when he sprouts, um, Vayetza muck, it's, it's, it's a frontal uh, um, rhyme. Um, um, so, um, yeah, uh, humans, so Ed, Adam, Etz, all come from Adama. Um, can you think of anywhere else in the Bible where humans are likened to trees? Yeah, to trees. Oh, branches, vines, very good. <laughs> the first one I thought of, so I, since I was making the slides... The first one I thought of was Psalm 1. Since I was making the slide, we get to go with my choice. <laughs> um, how, uh, yeah, how blessed, how happy, um, how good life is the one who does not walk in the, the advice of wicked or stand in the path um, of the sin sinners, instead he delights in the Lord's instruction, meditates on day and night. He is like a tree. There we are, liking human beings to trees. There you go. He's likened like a tree planted outside a stream of a flowing stream that bears fruit in the season. Uh, Psalm one, it, it, I like the Psalm one. Psalm one introduces somebody who just loves reading the Hebrew Bible, uh, not just reading it. Um, Um, haga, that's the word. That's the word I'm looking for in Hebrew. Haga. It means to mutter, uh, to meditate, um, to read it out loud, and um, to read it quietly to yourself, to whisper it, to repeat it. Um, if someone really gets the story to their heart and their mind, it, um, you know what they're like? They're like a tree. <laughs> um, but not just any tree. It's a tree that's planted in the streams of water. Um, and that tree bears eternal fruit and is eternally green and all that it produces. So humans, water, and trees, it's all right there. That's the same kind of thing we've been seeing in this, 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 this section of Genesis. Um, the water is the gift of divine life that makes uh, possible life. Uh, fruit bearer, uh, uh, both the bearer of fruit in the land, but also the humans who bear fruit for what they, they do. And the trees bear fruit through what they grow, and, and they're like each other. Um, in their biblical imagination, remember uh, the Hebrew Bible people were uh, farmers. Um, 
you know, they, the um, people are like trees, um, and people are like water, or, or have their source of life in, rooted in the water, I guess it is. Um, they, uh, so, and, and you, you know, when you, when you think about the Psalms 1, in my opinion, you only write something like this if you're saturated in thought in Genesis chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3. You only, you're thinking about these things, you're meditating on it. This Eden narrative. It's at a deep level of your uh, imagination. Um. <coughs> and we're all kind of setting up for the temptation narrative. Um. All right. We're going to stop there for the day. We're going to stop at Farm to the Dust because I definitely don't want to go over that in 10 minutes. So that'll probably be all of next week. <laughs> uh, yes, John. Comment on the trees. Large trees, typically two-thirds below the ground. There's a great structure underground to support the tree. Oh, it sure is. Uh-huh. And that's rooted in the life, word of God. That's what Genesis tells us. Yes. I like the aspens. They have like a gro groove of them. They're all intertwined and working together. Uh, um, yes, anyone else?